Welcome everybody to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in. We are a podcast of Burn Orange Nation, and you can find more great Texas Longhorn content over at BurnOrangeNation.com. If you like what we do, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. It helps get the show out there. Share this with your friends wherever you found it, whether it was Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, anywhere where you find fine podcast content. You can find Kyle and myself. Connect with us on social media at Longhorn Pod on Twitter. You can shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the Longhorn Republic. My name is Gerald Goodrich. I'm your host this week, like I am every week. And I'm joined by Gerald Um himself, Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you? <laughs> uh, you know, we've been through something along the lines of a combined 3,786 Zoom calls. But every week when I go to launch our Zoom while we record this very podcast, I search for the link that Gerald sent me, which is oom, no Z, um, kind of like no Z is what you would have to be to get in the business of Chris Del Conte, who is just running winners through the 40 acres right now. That was a, not my best segue or transition work, but uh, <laughs> um, we're going to get to talk about some really good teams. We're going to get to talk a lot about what I'm calling this show, Gerald. I don't know if I told you, I am calling this show Omaha, Omaha, not only for the baseball, but also for the Peyton Manning connection. Uh, so this is the the Omaha special uh, times two. So this is a fun show to talk about. I'm I am excited. I think I may go with Omahorns as the podcast actual name. We'll see how that goes uh, in a couple hours when I'm editing. But Kyle, you also could have gone with the Crystal Conti Jello shots transition there uh, out in left field. That was a thing that could have gone with. Didn't go with it. It's fine. I- I, I didn't. I didn't know how to work nosy into the Jello shot. Believe me, I was working it. But uh, you know, it, it, it's all good. You know, it's it's it's. This is why we. Uh, you know, we we are the only the probably let's say what eighth, tenth most popular podcast in the world. We still have some moving up to do if we're going to catch Dan Carlin's hardcore history and whatnot. How many podcasts do you have two dudes talking about sports? Like, there are not, there are not many of That's them. True. That's so true. So we, we've, got a, uh, we've got a great differentiator. Revolutionary. Here, but <laughs> revolutionary content model. But we are here, Kyle, to talk about the brooms coming out at the dish mm. Texas swept USF in the Super Regional to advance to the College World Series. We'll talk about that. Texas also had a huge recruiting weekend. We actually previewed it with Mike Roach a week ago, and we'll probably have him come back on in the next few weeks because there'll be some commits on the way, so we'll talk about him. I'll talk to him about it in a few weeks, but we'll talk to you about it, give you a quick rundown. Down the 40, track and field was in action at the NCAA Outdoors. Some awards were given out, and uh, we'll obviously close the shot with some bang the drum. In the only weekend in Texas sports history where the opponent didn't throw the horns down, Texas managed to come away with a sweep to advance to its record 37th College World Series. Kyle, Texas should just set up another stadium in Omaha because it's practically their home. It's a beautiful, beautiful site. Gerald, I don't know. I've seen the horns play in the Rose Bowl uh, out in California, and that being one of the most majestic places to play a football game in general. Um... Yeah, is there a place besides maybe you could argue the Rose Bowl that it is more beautiful to watch the Longhorns play a game of of sport? Let's not put a, a specific sport on it. You could you could move it around. It could be football, could be baseball, could be basketball, could be tennis in Orlando. Is there a better 
more suited venue besides home field that you would like to watch UT play other than than at Rosenblatt Stadium in Omaha, Nebraska? Very few places. Very few places. Wherever the national championship is next year for football, <laughs> maybe. But like that sure. again, there's a natty on the table at, in in at Rosenblatt. So like you know, six and one half dozen in the other. I love it, Gerald. And and, and uh, this is the rare time. I mean, we talk about sweeps and we talk about a team winning, but it is it is very, very rare when you get to super sweep, uh, you know, not supermarket sweep, which again was if you listen to the earlier COVID shows, a show that I believe both Gerald and I uh, ran through at some point. But no, a super sweep hasn't happened since 2004. Gerald, run us down how Texas got the cherry on the cake of a regional and super regional super sweep. So Saturday was a bit of uh, fireworks, Kyle. So Texas led 3-0 heading into the ninth and then, well, gave up a 3-0 lead, which was just absolutely awful. Um, And then a two-out first pitch walk-off double from Eric Kennedy scored the man himself, the French flyer Silas Ardouin from first for Texas to take a 4-3 lead there as well. And then on Saturday, I, I tweeted about this, but I, Texas needed, after what we'd seen happen, uh, you know, against Ar- to Arkansas and other top-tier teams that just didn't get it done, Texas needed to blow the doors off of USF and just get out of there with a win. And so 12-4, to um, not it wasn't completely off early, but when the dam broke, good Lord, it, the water came flooding out. So Texas walked away with an incredible 12, four win, um, completing the first super sweep since 2004, which some good things happened that year too. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and look, I mean, I, I, watching the, the first game, the Saturday game, um, you know, I thought, wow, like either, they lose the next one because it's an emotional come down and USF, um, you know, is, is a team that has basically defied expectations all year, winning their regional to get to here. I think pick to finish last in their conference to get to here, but they just keep doing it. They had kind of the feel good story. The guy at the home run was just back from injury. The super freshman, um, you know, it's like, okay, either Texas has a letdown and, and, and USF takes the next one or, Texas blows the, the 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 hinges off, and uh, you know just USF had their shot, and it was stolen from them. But the the second game was actually very very good as well. I mean, the twelve four score sounds like maybe you know you would tune out. I don't know any Longhorn fan, and maybe again it's just the lore of Omaha hanging, but but left either in the stadium or their TV sets to watch this one because it was good all the way through. It was fun. Um, again, starting with Saturday, uh, I thought. Ty Madden pitched a pitched a gem, you know, looked like the All American he was. Uh, went six and two thirds, scoreless, uh, only gave up three hits. Did have four walks, but nine Ks uh, through through six and two thirds. Just really good. Looked like the you know one of the best pitchers in the country. And USF um, hit and, and batted kind of accordingly. Um, a little bit of wobble in the in in the ninth, which is which is not what we're necessarily used to to seeing. Um, but again, I I think. Um, I think Texas has found ways to win all year that are varied. And I think that is a really good sign for Omaha. Sometimes they, they just shut teams out and it's a straight pitcher's duel. They bring in the closer and they slam the door and, and, you know, starting pitching dominates people and they go deep. Sometimes they, you know, they, they bring in long relievers and, and, and make some magic. Sometimes they just, you know, 
they squeeze plays in and, 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 you know, base running and, and uh, plays at the plate and, and late runs and drama. And sometimes they, they, they crush homers for a couple games in a row where it looks like the ball is just put into orbit and they play small ball. They, they kind of are doing it all this year. And, and again, if you're going to make an Omaha run, that is what you have to have. You have to have that little special magic that says, we don't just do this. We don't just have this guy in the bullpen. We don't just have this arm as our number one starter. We don't just have these two batters who drive in runs. Texas has been doing it top and bottom of the order. I mean, look, Eric Kennedy uh, at the bottom of, of the lineup is the guy who drove in Silas Ardwin, the, the eighth hitter. Trey Faltini in this whole series has been uh, enlivened. And let me just make a quick note. I'm so proud of TCU um, securing their spot to Omaha as well. And I say that to mean um, he's carrying a little bit of the hate they spewed at, at Faltini uh, during the Fort Worth series when fans were left back in. And that seemed to uh, live very close in his heart because it's woken up as bad as defenses can continue strong. They basically forced the full evolution. So again, thanks TCU. That's your place uh, in the story this year of, of Omaha. But nonetheless, they've been doing it all over top to bottom across the lineup. And and I thought Saturday was one of the most fun Texas wins. And then Sunday comes. And can that be top, Gerald? There are a lot of things we want to highlight from Sat- from Sunday. Whether it was Cam Williams showing the patience of a saint to push through basically being thrown at for like six straight weeks is what it feels like. I feel like the guy has a magnet in his pocket or something. Like, I don't know why, but the guy was just, just getting tossed at left and right. Um, took out some frustration on that, on that, uh, on that home run. I feel like that thing still might not have landed. Um, Trey Faltini, like that kid played like a man possessed on Sunday. Like, from the from the plate in the field, like his 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 offense is getting a lot of the shine, but his like sliding grab and throw at shortstop to third to get the leading runner out and kind of stop the bleeding a little bit, like that might be a, one of the more pivotal plays of the game because right mm-hmm. there is where Texas felt like it kind of came alive, where he makes his big play and kind of stunts the momentum that USF was starting to build. And that's really where the wheels came off for them, and Texas kind of poured it on. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're right. The left side of the defense. Like, the fact that Cam Williams walked four times, gets to his fifth at bat on the ninth pitch after fouling him off, finally sees something. His eyes must have lit up so incredibly enormously big. Like, you've seen 50-some-odd pitches, uh, it feels like, right? And, and, and you eventually um, – get to just crush one and you drive it uh, over center field, all 400 plus feet uh, hurting their, their center fielder, unfortunately in the process trying to catch it. Um, but that ball just kept going. Um, was incredible. That left side of the infield really drove the, the team in this game. And, and um, I don't want to take anything away from the offense, but defensively they were both good making plays. And then uh, Antico is just how he's bloomed in, in kind of, throughout the season, of course, but, but in the second half of the season, in the postseason run, um, I've, I've renamed what I call the Antico special, a walk and a stolen base. It's basically like a walk, a walked double, like a pitcher walks him. It's like, dang it. I walked a double because you know, he's going to steal second and there's not a really a thing you can do about it. And that's amazing. And he just is scoring runs because of that, putting himself in great position Had an RBI Uh, in the first game. He's just, he's doing a lot for the team, everything they need. He's, he's, you know, solid in defense. Um, I just, what a, what a, what a grad transfer he's turned out to be. And what an instant, like, chemistry guy a leader on that team just like 
whatever this team does this year for the remaining games in Omaha, I feel like Antico is going to be a huge part of it. Those three guys were, were probably just, you know, my three of my favorite Longhorns this all season for sure. Um, but here in this game, they, they were, they were amazing. And, and, and we talked about defensive plays. We talked about offense production and that's because even though he got his big 12 best 11th win of the season, Tristan Stevens had one of his roughest outings. And, and again, you hear these stats, you're like, that's not so rough. Five and two thirds, uh, three strikeouts, gave up four runs, only three hits, uh, but did have two walks, which again, he's one of the most efficient pitchers in the country. And most of that came in the first inning when he just kind of didn't quite have his control. Had two walks in the first inning, uh, gave up two earned runs, be settled down, certainly in the second half. But usually you expect Stevens to throw about 70 pitches, get you about eight innings, and, and it all takes about an hour and a half. Um, so, <laughs> I was going to say in about 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so, you know, it, it, again, for him, in, in, in comparison for the all big. 12th player um i think only two players have 13 and three have 12 so he's number six in the country and wins this year um just really really great all season don't let me say anything wrong there um but again they had to get more than four runs and they more than did that they got 12 across and i thought i thought the bats were great and i thought the bullpen gerald this is what i want to talk about a little bit looking forward texas bullpen came in through three and a third scoreless gave up no hits i think had three strikeouts um Dating back to, the, again, the second half of the season and, and really, I think, about like that TCU series when we needed him uh, to come up big, I feel like Aaron Nixon has really settled in as one of the best closers in the country. Um, you know, and, and he certainly has the most uh, the most thigh to miles per hour ratio in the country. There's no doubt. Like, he is just Thiles very... Thiles per hour, maybe? <laughs> Thiles per hour, indeed. Um, he's just very centered to the earth. I feel like it would take <laughs> an actual bus to knock him over with tree wow. trunks. <laughs> rounded to the ground what other it, it, what other terms could we use there um yeah i think thiles per hour rounded to the ground nice sturdy Squ- base yeah nice sturdy base of course i was gonna say uh squat and throws hot but i i don't know we'll, we'll workshop it a bit <laughs> um <laughs> but but he's closing it but the guy who got him there i think maybe the single most underappreciated player in the big 12 on the horns at least this season is cole Quintanilla, who i hope he sees mm. a lot of run in this tournament he's sporting a 1.29 era and a whip of a whip of 0.8 like i've been playing a lot of mlb the show it's hard to do that in video games like that is that is silly that's pedro martinez in like his three-year run as the greatest pitcher who's ever picked up a ball for the red sox in the 2000s like level like that is that is really 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 good and i think there's other arms in the bullpen who are elite uh and i think that is going to be the differentiator for texas in this omaha run the fact that texas i mean when you think about the World Series, and you, you, they've got three legitimate starters, and then you've got three guys coming out of the bullpen that can go basically every day, and that I think is um, a huge differentiator. The bull, the Texas bullpen, uh, normally most most days will give them a ton, a ton, a ton of support. And again, you got three guys. Texas would would have had to would have had a third guy if they needed the if necessary on on Monday, but they didn't. So now with the great performances from both of their starters, they get to uh, just sit and wait and see who their opponent, what their last opponent's going to be. They've got Tennessee and Virginia already locked into the bracket, but Mississippi State and Notre Dame are going right now as we're recording. Uh, Mississippi State's up 10 to 5 on Notre Dame, but it's still in the fifth inning, so things are early, uh, but Mississippi State is in control right now. So it looks like the second bracket 
bracket, Texas is in. Uh, Texas is actually the top seed remaining after the Arkansas Razorbacks were upset uh, at home by uh, North Carolina State, an un- unranked team coming out of that. But, I mean, that it's North Carolina State's playing really good baseball right now. So uh, it's really um, – the quality of baseball just played nationally has been huge because you've got, what, two – Pac-12 teams, you've got potentially three SEC teams in here. Uh, It's just, the baseball's really good this year. And thankfully, I think Texas Ducks, uh, Stanford, who I think is playing like a freaking, they're playing on fire right now. It's absolutely nuts. But So Texas awaits. They're in bracket two. Bracket one, Vandy, Arizona, Stanford, and NC State. Bracket two will be Texas. The other UT, the lesser UT, Tennessee, <laughs> and Virginia. So Texas will uh, open up on the 20th at 6 p.m. on ESPN2 against the winner of Notre Dame and Mississippi State. If they win that one, they'll play the winner of UVA-Tennessee. If they lose that one, they'll play the loser of UVA-Tennessee. But we'll see. We'll have more for you next weekend. Uh, shout out to Dallas Baptist. They had a really good run. I was... I don't necessarily just root for other Texas teams because, you know, I don't necessarily think you root for your conference or your state. I will if they're not a big rival, and Dallas Baptist isn't, and they were a great underdog story, and I was really hoping uh, they could get that that spot in just, you know, a, a Cinderella-type season. Uh, but it, don't take anything away from it. Making a Super Regional was, was a really uh, incredible run. Um, but Texas will, again, be the only team from the state of Texas represented in, uh, in Omaha, and um, I, I'll, I'll just just say if Mississippi State makes it in, you know, good for them. But but Texas, Texas has some some avenging to do for Arlington. And if Mississippi State makes it and they play, I think um, that is good for Texas because there is there is a bit of of, of wound that they would like to close and avenge uh, on, on that one. The, the, the slogan all year has been remember Arlington. Pierce told him in the tunnel after that game remember this feeling and and basically you know they've gone like 40 and 10 since then you know they they have they have remembered it um it it, it isn't just the alamo that, that must be remembered but arlington <laughs> as well and so uh you know if if notre dame again they're playing while we go if they they make a wild comeback great texas will beat them too but uh, if it's mississippi state that is going to be a uh, a juicy juicy matchup to open up omaha can you imagine if texas gets to avenge Arlington and then gets to prove that they're the real UT in back-to-back games. That would just be a great run (laughs) for the trolling that you and I like to do on the internet. So again, we'll have more for you next week as Texas, uh, not jinxing it, but probably hopefully uh, continues on in the college world series. Some awards to to discuss and some notable things as we wrap up the season. Pete Hansen was named the NCBWA uh, Freshman All-American, made that team much deserved honors for him. And we already know Mike Antico, who I want to be honest with you, at the start of the year, I was like, is this guy, is is he he all he was cracked up to be? He had a weird start to the year, and that's okay, but he's found found his stride quite metaphorically and literally, um, but he's already set a record for postseason stolen bases with 10 and Texas could have several more games left on the schedule. So he could set an unbreakable record by the end of this thing. 
we love Houston Street's record of, of postseason saves. Uh, so why not get the the postseason steals as well? I mean, Augie Garrido is smiling from somewhere. Uh, I don't know if there's a postseason record for sacrifice bunts and or flies uh, <laughs> at play as well. But if we could give you know Augie uh, Augie's beloved Texas the the holy trifecta there. But yeah, I mean, uh, free bases, right? I joked about the Antico special, but free bases uh, is how you win games, right? That's you know a, a singled into a double, a walk into a runner in scoring position, uh, and. Tico has done it um, at basically 25% of his stolen bases have come in the postseason, which is unreal. Great season cherry on top right there. Um, teams will obviously be looking for that in Omaha, but good luck. I mean, he's, he's stolen over 90, I think like 94% of his steal attempts. So it's just like, not only is he running a lot, but he's getting there a lot. So really, really impressive. And then the last thing, Gerald, I just put in here, I want to talk about is kudos to the Texas fans. We often have said that um, for any listeners who are out there, you know, golf clap slow clap appreciative clap for you um any uh any fan who was there earned their their merit we've often said that um we thought the best ut sporting atmosphere and place to watch a game is in gregory watching volleyball and while i still think that is majestic i think a sold out postseason game at the dish is is pretty hard to beat anywhere in the country it was rocking the fans in the crowd the fans in left field uh you know outside the stadium just it, it was in atmosphere it felt electric pierce commented on it i mean the team felt it they feed off of it the cannon booming i mean it is just unlike anything else and there was a specific moment where super super senior six year senior dj petrinsky a guy who's battled injuries carried when texas had no catchers on the roster gutted it out carried the team done a lot just just been a glue guy a character guy been a great longhorn in his career but uh who's seen silas ardwin basically take his take his spot you know effectively the young kind of really heralded prospect uh at a high school is now turned into the season college player and has secured that catcher spot but but Petrinsky got a chance for an at bat uh they put him in when the game was you know kind of already at hand but but uh nonetheless he went in and, and ripped a ball unfortunately uh it was right towards someone or it would have been a, a really nice play but the fans gave him a standing ovation and chanted dj and there's something to be said about smart fans who get that. That means you've been invested. You've been watching the team. It is your team. It's not just, oh, there's a big thing. I should go to the stadium. You know, it, the people who are in that stadium clearly know the Texas baseball team and the ins and the outs of it enough to to give him that that curtain call and that send off because it was a special moment. And look, I, I, I'll, I'll go ahead and, and give it. Right now, UT baseball fans are our smartest fans. I don't know, um, you know, whatever you person post on every message board about ut baseball or whether coach pierce should have a job or not but just that that kind of throughout the game they're invested they know each pitch they know the meaning of what that stands i mean baseball fans in general are very invested and passionate and i consider myself amongst that bunch for sure um but ut baseball fans are a special breed uh give mississippi state credit they they have i think thirteen thousand seats and they fill them uh at their stadium and that is you know a majestic place to watch a baseball game as well but i put the dish up there just about any team any single game any single seat to sit in and watch a game a a game at the dish uh like that just incredible atmosphere i forgot how fun it was to watch sports with fans in the stands like it's something you take for granted and then we have a year like we had last year without fans in the stands um and like i'm i get i was getting chills like hearing people like seeing them clap for the final out like all those it's just so so much fun and so um I'm just I'm glad that we can have fans in the stands. I'm looking forward to seeing it again in the fall. So this is normally where we would drop in a pre-recorded 
advertisement. But we're doing something different this week. Uh, we have a new sponsor to introduce, Homefield Apparel. Uh, you've probably heard of them. You've probably seen them. Uh, premium College Athletic. It's a premium college athletic brand um, out of Indianapolis. Really comfortable, officially licensed, a licensed apparel. But I like them because I've always been a guy that likes more obscure stuff. Like everybody has the the polo and everything. But I love the obscure stuff. And so uh, they use vintage college designs and it's just so cool it's kind of off the beaten path and i really enjoy it but they just began their their next season of uh, what they call big new saturday where they do um new schools every saturday for 16 weeks straight and they've been launching some really big names and well officially as of monday morning the university of texas is one of those big names and so how they do it is they kind of go through the archives and look for all the the fun thoughtful weird old uh designs and they come up with um, really unique looks for their stuff. And so, like, I am a big fan of their designs. I love, like I said, I love vintage stuff. Um, I missed the drop, unfortunately, on the, the Husky Joggers, the Yukon Sad Husky Joggers. And, Gerald, I, I, I just have to say, I was this close. If I did not know that Texas was being launched, and they told us, um, Gerald and I, but if I did not know that was coming, I almost, I went and looked at the their recent Notre Dame drop. I almost bought some Fighting Irish, and I don't like the Fighting Irish. You know that about me, um, but they just look so cool. I, I have uh, I have looked for some of their cool uh, Baylor stuff as well for my wife. You know, she's a Baylor fan. They have the old, you know, yellow bear with the little sailor's cap. They have, uh, I'm hoping they'll get the, uh, the UT Screaming Longhorn also in a sailor's cap um, from that 70s kind of era. They just always have that cool stuff, and they're just comfortable. I, I, I Every person I know who's owned Homefield, again, up to this point, without Texas on it, has loved the comfort, just the cool designs, but now you get to have it in that beautiful burnt orange, maybe some good grays, uh, but some some really cool-looking stuff um, that will will set you apart a little bit uh, from, like Gerald said, the 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 sea uh, of fraternity guys in, uh, in burnt orange uh, polo with the white logo and uh, and chino slacks you can look a little bit different with your cool interesting uh interesting design so i am thrilled i hope we also get a raise on this podcast because if not they're going to take all of my money i'm excited to to get a chance at getting some in burnt orange to have uh to wear on saturdays and so you guys also have the opportunity to do that as well your first purchase through home field you can use the code burnt orange to get 15 percent off they're doing the drop this saturday at 11 central time if you're in most of our listeners are probably in central time but if you're not that's noon eastern but 11 for most of you that are listening to this podcast on saturday so again you can check them out homefieldapparel.com use the code burnt orange and you can get 15 percent off your first purchase with them. Get yourself some really cool looking Texas merch. So it was a big recruiting weekend on campus. We previewed it last week again with our friend Mike Roach. If you didn't listen to that on Thursday, you missed out. We did about 20 minutes of recruiting and then about 35 minutes of movie talk because that's what we do with Mike because we love Mike. But Texas had a swath, I'm going to go with, of official visitors on campus from the 2022 group and then had a unofficial weekend, unofficial visit weekend with 2023 players and they had a bunch of them working out. Some hoping to earn scholarship offers some have had scholarship offers since the womb, but we'll come to that in just a few minutes. But on the official side, the 2022 class already committed four star defensive end Zach Swanson was in town. He uh, came with another guy from out West, a three star athlete, uh, Anthony Jones, who um, was 
kind of committed, silently committed prior to the weekend, and then went ahead and pulled the trigger halfway through on Saturday. Uh, four-star interior offensive lineman Cole Hudson, uh, four-star offensive tackle Jacob Sexton, uh, four-star offensive tackle Cam Dewberry was on an unofficial visit, but treated it as an official visit. So that's uh, a good sign for Texas fans if you're looking for him. Four-star linebacker Sebastian Cheeks and five-star linebacker Harold Perkins actually made a surprise official visit this weekend. If you haven't seen the video of him being surprised by the gummy bears in his hotel room, you're missing out on it. Uh, the juniors, some of the big names are a bunch of them on campus, but Arch Manning was here with his parents and Grandpa Archie on site to watch the workouts and meet the staff and all of that. Uh, the only commit for 2023 Ruben and Owens was on hand as well. Wide receiver Jonte Cook, wide receiver Carnell Tate, uh, wide receiver Ashton Cozart. Those are three of the biggest names in the 2023 class from wide receivers. And then cornerback, a local kid, Javen Taviano, was on site as well. And all of those are names that we'd love to hear uh, in burnt orange. So as we look at it, this was it wasn't just the, re the recruits or the commits that were on site, but this is, Kyle, I think what excited you the most was the cavalcade of stars that Texas brought through to welcome the players. That's right, yeah. I mean, it, there was a, a photo that they posted with, with all of them that I'm sure has become the computer uh, background home screen for a lot of people, but just Vince Young, Colt McCoy, Earl Campbell, Brian Arakpo, Derek Johnson, Jamal Charles. I mean, uh, you had everyone you could imagine. I mean, you had other guys who happened to be in town. I saw people who were at the, um, just at the baseball game who I imagine must've made an appearance. Sam Ellinger, uh, looked to be at the baseball game. Um, it, Selvin Young was there. So I'm imagining these guys popped in too. Obviously the minister of culture, uh, was there. We saw Chris Beard at the baseball game. So you had people in town, obviously around, I'm sure they popped in and they just, they pulled out all the stops and that list you just listed off, Gerald. I, I assume most people who listen to this podcast are um, somewhat familiar, if not deep in uh, in recruiting knowledge. But if you're not, that's OK. Um, and you just you know know the kids once they get to the 40. Uh, just know that Gerald listed off some of the single um, most coveted players in the country across both of those classes. Obviously, Arch Manning is the name that makes the biggest headlines just because, I mean, he's a Manning. Um, he is every bit as as big a recruit as as either Eli or, or, or Peyton was. Uh, I won't argue where they rank or who's the best because uh, that's that's a, a futile effort. But, I mean, a, that lineage of, of athletics and, and, and quarterbacking skill, I mean, you, you know he's good. And then you look at what he has actually done in just every video you see. The kid has all the tools. Obviously, it's exciting, but you think about the guys who were there to block for him potentially or, you know, the litany of quarterback stars we have either on campus or in the pipeline. Really, really incredible talent uh, offensive line. Um, and and the guys who catch those balls, like you said, Cook, uh, Cornell Tate, Ashton Cozart, and receiving. I mean, just you had some studs on campus. I mean, it, it, this was legitimately like an NBA All-Star weekend. There were just stars everywhere you looked. Um, and it from all early reports, I mean, it seems like everyone who was there, families, kids, you know, parents, everyone felt like, the horns knocked it out of the park. I mean, in coming off of like Roach talked about the amount of time that they have not uh, been practiced in doing this in person. Um, I'm sure that was just exhausting. I'm sure basically all of those people we listed celebrity and coaching staff are sleeping soundly for about 48 hours, just, just hibernating uh, to catch up after a weekend. But um, just, just a, I mean, 
a really cool weekend that at the same time we just talked about the the baseball team is 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 doing you know Omaha stuff uh, on the other side of campus. I mean, just what a weekend to be a Longhorn fan. It just stars all over in the possibilities right now where we sit on the precipice, both uh, football and baseball. Uh, really immense, really incredible, and it just makes you excited for what's coming next. There's something to be said about momentum, right? There's something to be said about excitement. There's something to be said about the ability to get a bunch of high-tier athletes in the same room and get them imagining what it would be like to play at the University of Texas, right? Um, and a lot of the comments, and again, there's a ton. Mike Mike Roach, again, I, I, I don't pub Mike just because he comes on our podcast. I pub Mike because I think he's the best in the business and he's the best at what he does. Um, but there's like a 40-page thread of like Mike giving live updates on Thursday, and he did like he did like double what he normally does on a Monday for his like Monday morning article, just breaking down what happened over the weekend. And so again, Mike crushed it this weekend and I loved um, getting to read it, but he talked about, and he saw it a lot on Twitter that a lot of what Texas did is different and the vibe is different and Texas is just different. And so I like, None of this really matters if Texas doesn't win next year, but can you imagine all of the positive momentum they have now plus like 10 wins, right? Maybe like that, like if Texas can hit 10 wins in their first couple of seasons, it gets to the point where Texas can kind of just recruit itself and it gets back to Mac Brown. It was really, it was lazy. I think when Mac Brown said it, but I think it gets a little bit different when Texas can select rather than recruit where Texas is like, who are the 25 to 27 kids we want to take in this class? Because Texas winning 10 games, especially now that um, Greg Abbott has signed signed some uh, orders that are allowing Texas players to um, monetize and capitalize on their name, name, image, and likeness. Like the ability to come to the University of Texas and be a part of the biggest brand in college athletics. And I don't say that with the normal hubris that Texas fans get accused of. That's just what the numbers say. Texas in its worst decade of football has been the top earning school basically every year. They've been one or one a every year. And so like at some point when Texas can get back to winning, Texas will continue to self perpetuate. It becomes kind of a perpetual emotion machine. And I'm so excited to see Texas get back there. Yeah, uh, it's it's a completely original thought, Texas being back. Um, but uh, no, no, I'm kidding. Uh, yes, it, it, it should be easy. It should not be hard to do the job of recruiting coordinator or, or, or whatever you know person associated, the coaches or staff or otherwise, uh, associated with the University of Texas. It should be the easiest position, the cushiest position in the entire country. You have the city, the location, you know, most arguably the best town that a college resides in in the entire country la could give you a run for that you have the academics we have just listed off in 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 previous weeks uh you know where ut ranked as one of the best universities in the entire world um you know you you have the the you know history of success as one of the most successful programs historically obviously that hasn't been right now so it's then the immediate wins is is effectively the 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 differentiator and as soon as they do that and that begets you know copious nfl talent uh it, it, look out everyone else because the, the the fact is ut still wins the big 12 at least every year in recruiting uh and wins is an odd way to say that but b- brings in what it experts believe to be the number one 
class. They out-recruit OU almost every year. And again, that's without being able to turn that into wins on the field for whatever litany of reasons. As soon as you start doing that, the recruiting part, the pipeline part, gets real easy. I worked in the oil and gas space. The pipeline portion should never be the part that slows you down. That part should just be an afterthought. Uh, It only comes up when it isn't. Um, And so uh, do the other stuff that you need to work on on the field, like Gerald mentioned, and all of a sudden that pipeline is just flowing smooth uh, and, and, and things will be things will be golden so a guy who decided to to make it officially official was uh three-star athlete anthony jones who i don't think will be a three-star by the end of his senior year but we'll talk about that in just a moment he was um a silent ish commit based upon what everybody on the internet knows uh but he was committed to pete kwiatkowski when he was at washington and then decided to make it official halfway through his uh, his official visit to Texas just decided to pull the mask off. Um, he's 6'5", currently measuring at 242. He played at like 215. His sophomore year didn't play last year because of COVID. But at 6'5", 242, is running a 474. Recruited as a two-way player, but will likely end up as a... Uh, probably stand up end or an edge rusher for Texas when things are, when it's all said and done, because um, he's built like, I I don't know how to describe it, but he's got his arms like seem to hang down way too long. He's just got that (laughs) wingspan that you like to see from your elite edge rushers. And I'm excited that he's going to be in burn orange. He looks like a football player, man. I mean, you you look at him and you just, he looks like a football player. I trust uh, Kwiatkowski's judgment, you know, to the moon on, on, on guys there. If he's a three star, four star, uh, doesn't make a huge difference to me in that, in that realm. But, uh, a guy who, who PK obviously liked, um, and who I think, you know, clearly I love the fact that Jones liked Austin so much that he, he couldn't hold it in any longer. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, a, a guy who, this is a position group that we watch closely, um, Tight end, linebacker, I think probably linebacker is, is where I've heard uh, most likely. But anything in that linebacker group, anything on the edge especially, um, those those can be moneymakers. I mean, those can be guys you can never have enough of. You just you just consistently replenish that group. Anyone who you think has a chance of giving you 8 to 10 sacks a year uh, is worth their weight in gold, and you see that in, in the NFL as well. So, um, you know, uh, the the lineage of those guys we talked about, Rakpo being there this weekend, Osai being out, um, you know, doing things after this past year uh, for the Bengals and, and getting ready for his rookie year. I think, uh, you know, if I were a player, that could be an exciting position group to, to picture yourself slotting in for. But again, I like what you said, just his size, just his look. Um, you can sometimes just tell I'm not a professional paid scout um, or, or talent evaluator for a university. But uh, from my my somewhat above average uh, ability to to have a little bit of an eye test in, in, in me, he just looks to pass it uh, with flying colors. I need you to stick with me through this. His sophomore tape looked awkward because you could tell it's kind of like when you got a puppy with big paws and they just kind of <laughs> run funny because their paws are too big for their body. But you know, when they grow into it, they're going to be a big dog. And that's kind of what I got from Anthony Jones's tape. And like from an outside linebacker spot, he was like, I couldn't tell if he was a nickel corner because he had a couple of spots where he was making pass breakups and stuff like that. But he's a guy that I'm excited to see get a burnt orange bump uh, when the final rankings come out here in a couple of months. So we do have a little bit extra news to talk about. We're going to down the 40 real quick. Um, it was a, a 
bit of a disappointing end to the track season. Texas had strong showings in the uh, Big 12s and the indoor and out and the indoor um, nationals. But uh, the men on the men's side, they tied for sixth. The women tied for seventh in the NCAA outdoors. Tara Davis uh, was the big name of the weekend. She won the women's long jump um, and did it in just incredible fashion. Got the crowd going and then passed an Aggie on her last jump of the day, which was just beautiful. She was the becomes the ninth Texas woman um, or a relay team, I guess, theoretically, to sweep the NCAA's both indoor and outdoor. Destiny Hooker, friend of the show, not a friend of the show, just somebody we love, was the last uh, person to do it uh, way back in uh, 2008. Yeah, and 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 look, I, I had someone text me this this weekend. Um, I, I don't know if they saw a tweet or whatever, and, and she had a very iconic, uh, talking about name and image likeness, right? It's a very iconic picture with a cowboy hat and boots in the tracksuit. It just, I mean, like, it looks like a text. Texas pitcher. I feel like that's going to be up in a field house somewhere, you know, for years to come. It feels so very Texas. Good for her. She obviously knows her brand. She is a, a year too early for the name and image likeness. Um, but a friend texted me and said, oh, what a cool picture. I haven't heard her story. Who is that? And I, I caught myself. I was like, I just texted like a thousand words back about, you know, this incredible year she had. I think if if you haven't followed the track team or you've, you've skipped this part of the podcast and you're listening today, or if you know someone explain them to this as to the casual fan, Tara Davis may not be a household name, but she is every bit a Longhorn legend. I mean, she just truly the season she had sweeping is worthwhile, right? She's nominated for the 2021 Honda, um, track and field award. She's, uh, you know, basically nominated for the best female track athlete in the country. Um, she broke Jackie Joyner Kersey's 36 year old, you know, record in the long jump. We talked about this when it happened, but she now holds four of the all-time five longest jumps that have ever happened at the collegiate level. She's just truly goat status. Um, but one of the things that was so cool about her is she really shared her journey about, you know, um, the injuries and kind of the, the toll that that took on her emotional health and how tough the recovery was. She was very transparent about it. Um, her and her, her partner, who's a Paralympian, kind of talk about, different struggles and they have a youtube channel and it, it just really interesting she's very transparent very very interesting she's going to be a name that you hear for years to come i hope she goes on and does things and all across the olympics um and just blows up and truly represents texas and wears the hat you know for for olympics to come i think a gold medal would be the only thing that would make the uh, the cowboy hat and boots picture even better but tara davis truly solidified in a short amount of time herself as a longhorn legend and just one of my favorites of the past few years uh, to come through Texas athletics is so, so excited for her that she got, uh, she got to finish the sweep both indoor and outdoor national champion. Heck of a personality, heck of an athlete. And if we have to go back, if we ever do our Mount Rushmore's again, she will definitely hear her name in that conversation. Uh, the other kind of people that made the podium, our friend trip Perry finished second, came out, just one throw short, uh, but he was competing after missing a couple of months due to an injury. He kind of just came off of one leg and won the Big 12 and then came second uh, in the NCAAs. Uh, and then Christine Blasaveca finished third in the heptathlon. Those are kind of the three big winners for Texas. Uh, but a great season overall for the Longhorns. Conference champions beat AM several times, which is always great, uh, and we're always happy to hear that. So there were some individual awards given out this week. Women's golf placed three on the All-American teams. Caitlin Pap got second team. I got Lene, who had been pronouncing wrong all year, got third team. <laughs> and then Sarah Kusakova was an honorable mention. Uh, on the tennis side, Micah Braswell was named an ITA Texas Region Rookie of the Year, which now makes him one of four people 
who's eligible to be the national rookie of the year by winning the Texas region, which Texas is so great. It gets its own region. Absolutely. It does. And, uh, and, um, if you remember, he's the, the fiery redheaded freshman who wore the, the, uh, all gas, no breaks hat to the, to the national championship. He's going to be fun to watch for a couple years and in women's golf, um, Caitlin Papp, this is her fourth all American team. So just a, a, an absolute stud in a career for her, but the other two, uh, will be coming back. So it's so talent remaining on the 40 acres, the, the youth getting it done as well as the, uh, those who've been around a couple years. Awesome stuff there. And that was the part of the show where we honor one of the best traditions at all of college athletics, big Bertha. And we bang the drum brought to you by Joe, Ruiz. So Kyle, what are you banging the drum on this week? Gerald, I am going to go back to baseball because I can't get enough of it. And uh, as, as we said, Texas made it to Omaha. This is their 37th trip to the College World Series. And I need to give a little perspective because I think we've gotten a little complacent as fans of Texas baseball. It's very hard to make it to the College World Series. The current uh, iteration, only eight teams get to do it a year. Um, it's not like making, say, the March Madness tournament. Um, it's a very select group. And and as you saw from, from Arkansas, it's a very tough thing to be the number, the number one, or in Texas case, the number two, the top team, and actually win out and get there. Baseball can just get funky real quick. It's tough to do. Texas doesn't make it seem that way, and, and I'm going to give you a little perspective. As I said, there have been 74. So this year, with this 37, there have been 37 that featured Texas. There have only been 37 that didn't. And there, I could break down the multiple times that they were a pitch or two away from that number being 40 or some odd. Um, but they've literally been to 50% of them. They have been a top eight team, at least, in the country. Um I'm going to compare that to football in the 100-plus years that UT and A&M played football. 37 now is as many times as Aggies have ever beat UT in football. UT has way more wins than that. But uh, because they're afraid to play us, that number will only go up on one side, <laughs> and that's the UT College World Series. So by next year, uh, presumably they when they go back to Omaha, they will pass Aggie in their their um, attempt to, to make uh, anything a rivalry. The overall in all sports stat is just so sad uh, for their winning percentage. But the, 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 the piece of, of statistic that blew my mind the most is that 37, to give you some perspective, we talked about the great state of Texas being its own region. There's a lot of good teams. There's a lot of historic, you know, big programs. There's a bunch of little programs that have had their year in the sun. We talked about Dallas Baptist being close this year. Um, but with every team, every team eligible for the College World Series in the state of Texas, 20, maybe 20-some-odd yeah, teams uh, included in that. I'm, I'm talking, obviously, Rice in their, their good run, Baylor in their best days, you know, Dallas Baptist in there, the, 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 the Aggies, Texas Tech, U of H, TCU, um, Abilene Christian. Pick any school you want. Lamar down in Beaumont. Um, Gerald, give me a school I haven't thought of. Tarleton, um, Stephen F. Austin, Is North West Texas. Is Texas A&MC still a thing? Yeah, it could be. It doesn't matter. Take every school that's ever played baseball in the state of Texas. Add all of their appearances in the College World Series up. UT has nine more appearances than all of that. Um, so it just, it is, it is, it is called the University of Texas at Omaha for a reason. Um, that is the spiritual home of college baseball and of the Longhorns. They play, they have two home stadiums. 
the dish in Rosenblatt Stadium in Omaha. And if you can make it, heck, go up there. Cheer them on. Be the loudest fan base up there. If you have to watch on your TV, heck, cheer them on like they could hear you. Um, But everyone tune in and watch this. This is sure to be fun, however it goes. This is where we belong. This is the medium. And I'll just say the announcers in the last game said, in 3-2-1, we will have a dog pile. And every Texas fan laughed and said, ha, we don't dog pile. We don't dog pile en route to Omaha. We dog pile at Omaha. And that's the expectation. Omaha, yeah, that's the basis. Of course we get there. Now what do we do once we're there? Let's go win another national championship. Texas doesn't have to act like they've been there before. Because Texas has been there before. And so on that same note, I'm making the drum this week on a first for the university. So uh, back in 1993, the National Association of Collegiate Directors of Athletics rolled out the Director's Cup. And so it was an award given annually to the school with basically what they call the most cumulative athletic success in an academic year. So there are point totals assigned for winning championships and things like that. And I bring that up because there was a there was conversation on the internet, whether it was the message boards or Twitter of people like right after the Texas basketball team disappointed in the NCAA tournament. There were so many tweets about is Texas actually good at sports? How are they not good with all of the resources they have and blah, 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 blah. And we talked about it after the rowing national championship that it seems like everybody else on campus took that personally. And so for the first time since 1994, a team not named Stanford is going to win the Director's Cup. And that team, that school, is the University of Texas. After a year of people questioning and wondering whether or not Texas athletics was good, the University of Texas proves that it is not only good, but it is cumulatively the best athletic department in the country. Period. Texas has finished second three times, finished in the top 10, 21 of 27 chances, but not since its inception in 1993 have the Longhorns topped it. So now, after a year of people trolling on the internet about the football team and trolling on the internet about the basketball team, the University of Texas stands above all in the place that it rightfully should be as the premier athletic department in the country. And this is called the Director's Cup, Gerald the premier athletic director in the country. We opened the show by alluding to uh, CDC celebratory jello shot in left field after the, the Omaha ticket was punched. Um, Del Conte has been here and they have finished in the top five every year that he's been here. And, and rightfully so they ascended to the number one spot. So Stanford, you, you are phenomenal. You are a machine, but Chris Del Conte, you are the man. Um, Congrats to all the players that make up all those teams. Of course, the coaches, the training staff, all the people associated with all of those teams because the athletic department is that. It's a department. It is, you know, kids, 18 to 22-year-olds typically coming through and competing in these sports. But then it is also all of the staff, the support, the office folks, the the, the people who, who do the logistics, the recruiting, the things behind the scenes. A lot of work from a lot of people goes into getting this. And, uh Man, it's 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 I I personally think, and I've been talking about top ten Texas all year. I personally think this crown, uh, winning this is 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 the biggest the biggest honor you can get. A national championship in any sport is amazing, but uh, the overall athletic program national championship equivalent, basically, uh, don't get no better than that. 
And that's all we've got for you this week. Kyle, where can the good folks find you on the internet? Oh, you can follow me on Twitter at Kyle Carbon. You can also follow the Texas Pregamer at Texas Pregamer. You can follow me on Twitter. I am at GH Goodrich. Follow the show on Twitter at Longhorn Pod. You can shoot us an email, longhornrepublicpod at gmail.com. Thank you so much for tuning in again this week. And until next time, hook them. Hook them. Omahorns, baby. Hook them.